Good morning. Uh, my name is Jeep Underwood. Uh, if you want to know why his name is Jeep, you'll have to get a hold of my mom and dad. <laughs> I'm not sure what all they were thinking. Uh, but I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to be continuing a message series today. We've been looking at the different stages of life and just the, the way you need to really focus on how you handle the different stages of life so you're ready for the next one. Uh, <clears throat> last week, John uh, looked at the decade of the 20s and how the 20s are just very key because you're, uh, you're single, you're able to really train and learn how to walk with God and get really ready to build a life that really matters. And what I'm going to be talking about today is your 30s, which now you're... Your 30s might start when you're 27, and they might start when you're about 35. This is just a season of life. But, uh, but what I'm talking today about is just how do you build a life that really makes a difference? Uh, you know, really, in senior 30s, you start launching things. You start uh, launching a career. You've got to figure your career out. You've got to, you're launching a marriage. You're launching, uh, maybe you're going to have a family, have kids. You're, you're launching a financial framework for the rest of your life as you're trying to figure out how to handle your finances. You're really launching uh, really a ministry base. You're really trying to learn how, how do you develop a ministry where you're really helping people learn how to walk with God as you're actually learning to walk with God and you all kind of make progress together. Now, that's what I'm going to be talking about today is, is talking through some of that. I just observed a milestone in my life uh, about a few weeks ago. We were, on our, we were on a trip across the United States. My family bought me my second old guy's rule shirt. Now, the reason that's a milestone is because I wore out my first old guy's rule shirt. Now, now how old do you have to be to wear out your old, rules, old guy's rule shirt? So anyway, I stand before you a lot older than I used to be. Um, I'm, I'm 48 years old, and for me... The 40s so far, the decade of the 40s, has really been a decade of results. It's kind of like the early results coming in, kind of like elections. You know, you, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to call it yet, but there's a lot of some early results coming in. <clears throat> and I'm kind of I'm really seeing how things are turning out. And uh, it's really been a year of results and also building and rebuilding things. You know, as you're going along, realizing I need to build that better and moving on now. If you were to, if you knew me when I was 25 years old, you know, the person that I was when I was 25, if you had taken that person and projected into the future 23 years, you would see someone that shows up in a very different place than where I'm at right now. And the, the, one of the reasons for that is just like John said last week is in my late 20s, I got connected with some guys that began to really help me learn how to walk with God in adult arenas and learn how to build things into my life. And it really just made all the difference from where, where I've, from where I'm at now and where I hope to be in the future. Um, but as, before we get started, I just want to, now I want to let you some, know something else. Some of you may not know this. Um, I work for the Army Corps of Engineers and we do a lot of flood control. We do flood control all over the country. And one thing that happens after a disaster is they call the Corps of Engineers in to evaluate if there's something they can do for some immediate need, or sometimes we'll help, if it's a major disaster, we'll help FEMA figure things out. So I was called out about 17 years ago. I was called out to this place up in the mountains in San Bernardino, a place called Forest Falls. And there was this 
what happened is there was this storm that came over and just parked on this canyon and just dumped an inordinate amount of rain on this canyon. And man, the, the flood flows just came out of that canyon, out of this creek, picking up boulders and everything it could and just came through this. It broke the banks and it went through this subdivision that was up there. And so they called us up to see if there was something we could do to fix a problem. So I'm up there and I'm standing right there. I'm looking down this canyon and the water, this is where the water came. And then it, there's a the stream turns, but the water had actually gone out right where I was standing. And I turned around and I looked at down the path of that water. And it was just, I'd never seen anything like that. There were pieces of houses missing. There was this one house I'll never forget. It was cut in half. There was half a house standing, the other half was gone. And when you look in that house, it was kind of surreal because it looked like nothing happened. There's a house in there, there's a couch, it's like a family room. But if you just move this way, there's a six-foot boulder sitting next to the couch, and that part of the house is gone. And it's like, you know, I'm not sure, but that doesn't seem to be a design parameter. So then we're standing there, and thankfully, because these were uh, vacation homes, there were very few people around. So just a very few injuries. Most people were just fine. But they told us that there was one lady who lost her life. There was one lady who had died. And I, and I was talking to the guy, and I said, well, well, where was her house? And he said, you're standing on it. There was nothing but dirt where I was standing, and I just thought, for me, what I do for a living began to take on a new meaning. And it was sobering to me because... I just began to realize that, man, the things I'm doing with flood control really matter. They prevent real damages. But, <clears throat> you know, the storms of life that come against us, they, uh, they'll really do that to us if our lives are not well built. We really have to have well built lives so that the storms of life don't treat us like that flood did coming out of that canyon. So the, so the question this morning is, like, how do you build a life that you can weather the storms with? And... <clears throat> You know, it really comes down, it comes to the point of decisions. Really, it's the choices you make and the current things you're facing that build the life that you're going to have in the future. It's the choices you make and the things you're currently facing that build the life that you're going to have in the future. Uh, So there's a lot of, in in your 30s, you start figuring out, how do you decide how to raise kids? You know, there's no certification program. They just kind of like hand them to you when you have them. Uh, How do you decide who to marry? That's a big one. Uh, how, do you, how do you develop a career that will take care of your family's needs? How do you handle your finances? How do you develop a ministry where other people are really helped? Those are some of the questions that you really have to figure out as you're building a life. One thing that's true, one thing you really see in Scripture is that God really desires to cooperate with us uh, in building our lives. God really desires to cooperate with us and have us cooperate with him. To really make, to build a life that matters. <clears throat> so the question is, like, how do you cooperate with God? How do you actually do that? Now, Jesus, Jesus actually answered that question on the, uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. It's like, uh, it, all day he's, he's out there, he's, he gave a lot of teaching this day, and a lot of it was countercultural. It was things that, it wasn't the way people normally thought, but he had other ways, he had the ways that really worked, the way that uh, life really works to share. And as he's looking around, he saw, he saw some folks that were really intending to do what he said. And some people that were just, they just weren't sure. They didn't really agree with what he said. They weren't really sure if that's really the way to do it. And so he said this in Luke six forty six through 49. 
He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like the man who built the house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed. And the ruin of that house was great. Now, when I was younger, I would I would look at this verse and I and I kind of got this idea of, well, where's where am I going to build my foundation? Am I going to build it on the rock or am I going to build it on the sand or on the ground? And then as I spent some time with that verse and thinking about it, I realized That wasn't the issue at all. It was whether you're going to have a foundation or not. And that's really what he's talking about. And the foundation he was talking about was really a way of building. It was a way of building your life. Um, In fact, I think I think if you were to paraphrase it, I think he was saying something like this. If you want a well-built life that can withstand the pressures and the storms of life, then come to me. Listen to me and do what I say. I think I think that is really the crux of how you build. Now, God, God really he's designed life and he knows exactly how it works and he strongly desires to help us. But he can't really help us if we don't do what he says. And we can't really do what he says if we don't know what he says. And if we don't know what he says, uh, if we don't come to him. And listen to him, we won't know what he says. And that's what Jesus is talking about. There's like this, this cycle of really coming to him. <clears throat> In fact, I think a way you could uh, say that out is that we really need to humbly come to God and ask for help. We need to listen to God through the scriptures, seeking to understand the principles of how life works. And we need to choose to handle the current situation we're facing by doing what God says and not just do what seems right to us. So we have to choose to handle the current situation we're facing by doing what God says and not just what seems right to us. Now, as I think about this, I, I thought of this. You know, come, listen, do. It's kind of a kind of a cadence. Come, listen, do. And I now I, I grew up. I work for the Corps now, but I used to be a carpenter. I grew up. My dad's a contractor. Uh, been working since the time I was eight. And I had to learn how to use a hammer. And I had the fortune of being born before nail guns. So, you know, I had to, you know, there's a lot of nails that go in the house. You may not be aware of this, but you had to pound them all. And so, you know, what? when you first, what, there's, there's kind of a, as you get the, as you get trained in how to use a hammer, there's kind of a cadence in how you do it. You, you grab a nail out of your bags, you put it down, you set it, and then you drive it home. Because if you sit there and dink, 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 you'll be looking for a job because there's a lot of nails that go in the house. So you have to that's something you have to skill you have to learn. So it's like grab, set, drive, grab, set, drive. And I really think that that is really what Jesus is saying to to really build a life. You have to come, listen, do come, listen, do. And I think some of the reason that we struggle so much is. We just, we might pull it out, we might listen, but we just don't do it because of whatever the reason may be. Something prevents us from doing it. Now, it's, it's easy, it's easy to do what God says 
when it really lines up with the way you think and the way you kind of think things ought to happen. But then how do you how do you handle it? How do you handle a situation where what God says is really very different than what you think or maybe the way you were raised or or kind of the way you've always looked at it? And I I want to take a look at a, a video clip right now because I always have to have a video clip and. Usually whenever I'm picking a clip, I watch a clip and then I want to watch the whole movie. So this is this is uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And I'll probably be watching it sometime this week, just so you know. But this scene that I want to show you guys is right when Elsa. And if you haven't seen this movie yet, go get it because I, I hate to ruin it for you. But Elsa takes this the grail and she's trying to leave with it and she shouldn't have done that. And I want you to watch Indiana Jones and his dad. And I want you just to remember that through the whole movie, his dad has called him Junior because he's named after his dad and he just hates it. He goes, Junior, Junior. He just he just hates it through the whole movie. Go ahead and watch this clip and then we'll we'll talk a little more. see that movie. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, you think, why Why didn't Indy fall to his death? Elsa did. They both wanted the same thing. It's because he listened to his dad and he did what he said. Um, he listened to his dad and he did what he said. And then the, the question is, well, well, why did he do that? I think, I think it's because his dad called his name. 
And when his dad called his name, he began, he realized that his dad cared about him. And it changed his whole perspective. And what he did is he looked at his dad and he came, he brought the other hand up and he let it go. And he lived. And I, I really think that that's a picture of how we handle it when we're not sure about what God says to do and we think we ought to do something different is when he calls us by her name. You know, one thing that happens as you come, listen, and do, as you get in the habit of that, you begin to get to know God more. And you begin to understand where he's coming from. And you begin to be convinced that he really loves you and he really cares about you. And you listen to him when he tells you what to do. And so you let go of what you said or what you think and you go with his. You know, with, with me, it'd be like, you know, he could say, Jeep, Jeep, I know they hurt you, but you need to let it go. Otherwise, you're going to spend your life backing into the future, looking at the hurt, when really what I want you to do is turn around and go into the future with hope. You know, he just he has our best interests at heart. And really, knowing that he cares and being convinced that he cares, it really helps you listen to him. Now, how do you, you know, come to Jesus and listen and hear what he says? You know, you can, there's several, there's a lot of different ways of getting into the scripture, but I'd like to highlight just a couple of stories from my 30s that where this has really helped me, and there's many, many stories that I could tell. But, you know, one thing you do is you could study the scriptures, what the scriptures say about an area of life that you're currently dealing with. You, can, you could study something that you're trying to figure out. Um, you know, uh, I just went on, we just went on a huge trip with my family. We had gone three and a half weeks. We drove almost 7,000 miles in a minivan. Uh, that was an experience. And it was, a, it was good, and it was uh, an experience. So, you know, we, <clears throat> we got back, and there's a guy, a friend at work, a couple weeks ago, we're talking. He asked me, hey, how was your trip? And I said, no, it was, it was great. We had a good time. And we drove almost 7,000 miles in a minivan. And he looked at me and he goes, with your family? And, and, I, <laughs> and for me, I was hammering on the miles because I'm like, I'm like, I drove 7,000 miles. I said, yeah, 7,000 miles. He goes, with your family? And he just, and he walked off. Your, your family? I mean, he's just, to him, traveling probably 300 miles is something that was totally outside the pale. But that's what really blew his doors off. And, and as I was reflecting on that, I was... I was thinking back to about 1998 when Kate and I decided that we wanted to start a family. And so I started, I studied through the book of Proverbs just to see what uh, the scripture said about raising kids. Because, you know what, honestly, I thought, I don't know what in the world I'm going to do. So I began to study through the book of Proverbs. And one, there's, a, there's several verses, but I just want to highlight one. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. It just says, uh, my son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord, nor loathe his reproof for whom the Lord loves. He disciplines, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. And I, I, I spent some time really chewing on that. And one thing that really landed on me was that what I needed to do as a dad, I needed to do. I really needed to raise my kids the way God was raising me. And. One thing that I needed to do is I needed to create an atmosphere of delight in my family. I needed my kids needed to know that I delighted in them and that I loved them and I cared about them. 
<clears throat> and also, uh, I looked up I looked up the Hebrew meaning of the of the word for discipline. Now, you know, I'm no scholar, but I do have software, so I I looked up the Hebrew meaning of the word, and it, basically that word has a, an idea of both instruction and discipline, and it also it has the idea behind it that there's a lesson to be taught, and it's more advantageous to learn it through instruction, but discipline will come to bear because the lesson is that important. And it really, that idea I never had in my head. And it gave me a picture of how I was to raise my kids is that, is that I need, in an atmosphere of love, I really needed to teach them to obey. I really needed to love them and teach them to obey. And really, there were some lessons that they really needed to learn. And my goal was to instruct them but if, if discipline needed to be brought to bear to make the lesson stick, then that's what needed to happen. And so that's that that really marked the way that we've uh, raised our kids. And I could tell many stories about that, of just the ways we learned how to handle that. But, uh, you know, one thing, one thing that my kids know is that it doesn't matter whatever they do wrong or any kind of difficulty they get themselves into. They will never lose out with me. And they know that. They know that I care about them. And that's uh, made all the difference in our relationship. <clears throat> and so I, we can drive 7,000 miles and we came back and we still kind of like each other. You know, I, you know, that figure, I just like a real step in the right direction. But I, I uh, that's something that really matters, and it's something that I didn't have in my head before uh, before I learned that. Another thing I just wanted to, just as kind of an example of like how come, listen, do kind of can look like, is you know, there there was just in my uh, like a devotional time in the morning. I came across a verse one time <clears throat> in my mid thirties that I had this just this thought that this is going to be a really important verse for me. This is going to be a really pivotal verse. It's Isaiah 58, 10 and 11. And Isaiah 58, 10 and 11 just says, And if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places. And he will and he will give strength to your bones and you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of waters who waters do not fail. And basically just the idea, one of the main ideas behind that verse is that I really needed to, I really needed to create space in my life to accommodate people. Otherwise I would never be able to develop any kind of a ministry of helping people the way I'd been helped. And so I really needed to create space in my life. And, uh, one, one way this kind of came in 2005 in the spring, <clears throat> I had just gotten a promotion at work and to get that promotion, I had to commit to something. I had to commit that I would pass the professional engineer's exam and become a professional engineer. Now, this engineer's exam is like it's like a two day exam. The biggest part is this one day exam. You're there all day. And what they do is they think of like an exam that covers everything you ever learned about something. It's like everything about engineering and that you really know how to do it was in this exam. And what I needed to do is I had to take a review class where it kind of you know helped you work through all those things. So every Saturday for about three months, 
I was in this review class. It was most of the day on Saturday. Well, at that time, I was working full-time with the Corps of Engineers. I was working part-time on staff with uh, Christian Challenge at USC. Uh, and I was a husband, and I had a, three little kids, and I had a ministry of some guys that I was trying to help at USC. And then you put the PE exam in the middle of it, a requirement that I got to do. And so what I did is I just tried to shift everything around. And I, so I got permission from work to work 40 hours a week in four days instead of five. So I got every Friday off. And then uh, I kind of worked through my schedule of just making sure I, I handled the responsibilities that I have. And then I went to this class. I went to the class and the guy said, he talked for a day and he goes, if you don't study for 20 hours a week, then don't even bother taking the test because you won't pass. And I walked to my car going, oh, geez. You know, I've gone through everything trying to balance the responsibilities I have. And I've got seven. I, and seven, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it the full seven. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to that, do that seven every week. And what I did is on, fri- on the Friday, I would go to Levy Library at USC campus. And I would study for about three and a half hours. Then about 11 o'clock, I would go meet with the, these two guys that I was trying to help the way I'd been helped. And then about two o'clock, I'd come back and spend another three and a half hours. And then I'd go home and I'd you know, have dinner with the family. And so, you know, sounded great on paper. And then that I remember the first Saturday, first uh, Friday at 11 o'clock, man, I was humming. I actually was in zoned in. I was learning it was making sense, and I went, i got to go. And I just had this fear. And I went, what if I leave and I can't figure out, I can't take it up again when I get back? And I remember I just prayed. And I just prayed, God, I pray that, you know, I just told him, you know, right now I'm feeling really rattled. If I leave, I feel like I'm not going to be able to pick it up again. But I'm going to leave. And I'm going to go meet with these guys. And then I'm going to come back here. At two o'clock, and I just pray that you help me re-engage and reconnect, and and that my study of the afternoon would be just as just as good. And that was a recurring thing. Every fr- every Friday, I would pray that as I stepped away. Then, just like a day before the exam, I don't know about you, but you you get ready for something the day before. It's like oh gosh, it's like the roller coaster that goes. And then you think, I shouldn't have got on. It doesn't matter. You're on. And it's going to happen. So so we're, we're getting ready to go. And I remember praying that night. I got a hotel room down there so I could study that day and take the exam. And uh, I remember just praying, God, I just pray that the things that I studied would intersect with what they ask. Because they change the exam every time. And I prayed, God, the things that are on the test that I never studied, I pray that you would... Help me find like a hook or a connection where I could figure it out. And because I did go to college. I remember I was there for a long time. And, uh, and I, just, I just prayed, God, help me with that. So then I went, I went and took the test. Yeah, it's funny now, but I'll tell you, then it was deadly serious. I go there and I take the test. You're sitting there, you know, it's 2,000 people in a room. You're going, oh, gosh. You know, you come in with your stuff and one guy pulls in. He's like carrying things over his shoulder, bringing in a library, setting it up. I went, I'm not prepared. Um, so anyway, we took the exam and there were, there were five people from the Corps of Engineers that took that exam. I'm the only one who passed. Now, I'm not the sharpest pencil in the box. 
And I have no delusions about my abilities. But I I tell you, you know, that's what God did. He did exactly. What He did was He created a space where I could succeed in what mattered to me while I took care of and, and made space for people and also the responsibilities that I had. And those two guys that I met with are just starting their 30s. And I know without a doubt that they both know how to build. They both know how to build their lives. And I'm just very grateful just to have been a part of what God did in their lives and is doing in their lives. Last night, uh, one of those guys, he's a, he's a missionary in Mexico, and he uh, sent a message out, just kind of a, just a message to everybody. And, but there's a picture of his three little boys. He's married and has three little boys. And I just was looking at that picture last night, and I just thought, you know, those boys are going to be able to take up where their dad leaves off. They're going to be able to build where he leaves off because he's building a life that matters. And I'm just, just very grateful to just be a part of what it is that God's doing in the world. Um, now, what I wanted, as I, as I start to wrap up, I wanted to just talk about there's some things that actually Jesus said that we need to really watch out for that kind of keep us from this, keep us from that cadence of, you know, uh, come, listen, do. Just building, driving nails and building our lives. One, some things that will keep, keep us from that. And this is in, uh, it's in where Jesus is using the parable of the soils in Mark chapter 4. He just says, and others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and that proves unfruitful. These are three big areas that we we have to constantly fight. This is part of the fight so that we can build is that, you know, it, it might be it might be that you that uh, you struggle with excessive worry about the future where you can't really think about the current situation you're in. That's something to really fight because it keeps you from really making the choices you need to. Uh, it could be, you know, God's ways are really generous ways. And so if you. If you begin to want to hoard all the money that you make or, or hoard all your resources, you, you, will, you will find yourself not being able to follow what God wants you to do. Um, and also, if you, your desires for other things, you know, it, it might be one that I can tell you is right down my alley is a desire for a less complicated life. You know, it's sometimes, you know, the winter of my discontent happens every afternoon as I step out the door and go, if only I could have less complication. But if you're not careful, that desire can really prevent you from really following what God says to do. And it might be just excessive entertainment. You know, just it just keeps you from having the time to really even deal with anything that's going on around you. Those are just things to fight and keep and make sure that they don't derail you. <clears throat> and then as I do close, uh, be encouraged. <laughs> this is almost over. Um, now, what do you what if what if? You haven't been building this way. Or there's areas in your life where you, where you haven't been building this way. I can completely relate with that. What you need is a remodel. And that's, I'm, I'm in the midst of remodels now. Uh, my 40s have been a season of remodeling as the results have come in. And just really learning. Just, it's a continual process of building and tearing off what doesn't work 
and what's not in line with what God says. Now, a few several years ago, my dad, he's a he's a contractor. He he bought a house that didn't have a foundation. And you go, well, why in the world would he do that? Well, because you can buy that cheap (laughs) and then you can put a foundation under it and sell it for more. So he it makes it worth a lot more money. So what he did is he bought this house. He jacked it up. And so he could build a foundation underneath it. And then he just tore away everything that wasn't structurally sound. Which, when he was done, was about 80% of the floor and a bathroom. <laughs> everything else was just not good. And so it was the strangest sight. You, I remember going to their house, well, their place. Um, and uh, they were living in a, not a van down by the river, but they were living in a in a trailer Right next to uh, right next to the house and that they were working on and this things like this floating slab. And then there's this bathroom sticking up that you, you if you use the bathroom, I felt like you were in a house. And then you open the door and you walk out and you're like, I'm on this floating slab. And people would drive by and slow down like, what, what is that? And they knew everyone in that town. So people would stop and go, what are you doing? And they had all kinds of conversations. Well, what my dad did is he, he built the foundation. He changed the floor plan, expanded it, put that, made the bigger house. He built everything back structurally sound. And that house right now is the best built house in that block. There's nothing even close to it. And, it, and its worth has dramatically gone up. And that's exactly what we do when we find that we haven't been building like that, is we have to do a remodel. Now, it may be really extensive. You know, it might be a floating slab in a bathroom. But the main thing is the foundational thing is the way you build. It's the come, listen, do. Come, listen, do, and pound the nails and build the life that God really wants. Um, Last thing is that God is really gracious. God is really gracious. And he meets you right where you're at. So he's he's not vindictive. He's not... Anything like that. He's very approachable. And when you decide, God, I want to come to you and listen, and I want to do what you say, he is working with you immediately on the remodel or, or, or the initial steps of building whatever it is you're building in life. But that's at the very heart of building. And uh, if you get that down, you'll do really well. Uh, I'd like to ask the band to go ahead and uh, come back up as I go over some next steps. And also, if you haven't finished filling out your connection card, this would be a good time to go ahead and fill that out and jot some things on there if you wanted to. You know, you might, you might have heard this talk this morning, and maybe for you, a next step is you feel like you really need to begin developing a habit of coming to Jesus and listening to him. It might be studying. It might be a daily quiet time where you have time with him in the morning or some other time you choose. It, it could be several different things, but that's something you really need to work on. It could be as you're listening this morning, feel like you really need to choose to go God's way in a current situation you're facing. Maybe there's something you're facing right now and you've been really kind of going back and forth. I would suggest just go ahead and do what he says. Walk with him through it and see how that turns out. And then maybe you're, you'd really need just to evaluate where you may need to remodel. And... Uh, Let me just pray for us, and uh, we'll go on with our service. Dear God, Father, uh, we just come to you. And God, I pray that you would really help us, God, as we come to you 
and you would teach us how to build in all the varied responsibilities of the things we're trying to launch. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.